And thank you for checking out Value Driven Life. I am your host, Coach Chris McMahon. And today I am stoked to get to sit down and chat with Derek Stanley. So for those of you who don't know Derek, he is a certified nutritionist and online trainer. He has a degree in kinesiology. He's also certified through Mac Nutrition University and Precision Nutrition and is a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He's been in the industry for about a decade now and has worked with hundreds of clients, primarily on strength and body composition related goals. He's also a natural competitive power lifter in the USPA Drug Tested Federation in the 81.5 kilogram weight class. He just had a competition. So, I mean, if you're not following him on Instagram, you can, you're missing out. You're missing out. But thank you, Derek. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, man. And thank you so much for that introduction. Uh, I just want to say that we are using the term our lift very loosely um i don't know how competitive i should be considered but yeah i do do powerlifting and did just be at uh nationals this past weekend or i guess two weeks ago now so that was a really great experience but yeah thanks for having me on and looking forward to chat with you well derek if there's anything i could say is uh you're you're quite frankly a very humble person like any interview i've heard you do any any post you've ever put up any q a you've done in your story you're just a very humble person i'll say you're competitive you're like a competitive lifter uh because if i strolled up to one of those events i don't think i would do the same <laughs> as you would do uh so you put time and there's dedication into what you do and attention to detail and that's apparent in how you interact with folks whether it be someone who randomly sends you a dm and you start to actually have a conversation and see that or um the clients that you work with and in particular, one of the things that I thought would be really cool we could talk about, it's something I talk about a lot, and something you've talked about on a couple of podcasts before, and um, even in your in your training when you when you particularly post to your stories, because uh, I know that's how you like to take your rest breaks. Uh, is this is the concept of like uh, I, I call it auto regulating? You call it auto regulating. Other folks might know it as rate of perceived exertion. Other folks might call it like reps in reserve, depending on what style of training they're necessarily doing. Um, but I just thought it could be a really interesting topic because I don't think enough people actually understand the benefits of autoregulation and of maybe more of a mindful approach when it comes to training, when it comes to nutrition too. They kind of go, kind of goes hand in hand. Um, so I'll open the floor up to you with what you think that means, Derek. Yeah, uh, auto-regulation, in, specifically in training, is something that was popularized by Mike Teixeira several years ago. It's been around probably for pretty close to a decade now, but uh, I've used it kind of on and off for several years, probably for the last seven or eight years, but uh, a lot more exclusively within the last, I would say, two years. And uh, yeah, I just think it's a, uh, a really great, uh, a great tool to use in the toolbox for training. Uh, basically, what it what it does is it allows you to uh, tailor your, or adjust your performance and the weight on the bar to however you're feeling on any given day. So there's tons of different things that go into our performance capability. That includes uh, life stress, how we're sleeping, our nutrition, our mood. You know, are we in a good mood or are we in a bad mood? All these types of things can influence uh, again our strength and our performance on any given day. So if we stick to you know just the blanket like oh i need to add five or ten pounds this week and keep doing that well a lot of weeks that's not going to be there once you pass the 
minor stage of training and more into an intermediate stage or advanced uh, advanced stage. So using RPE again, yeah, just allows you to uh, to scale back on the weights on any given day and uh, stick to the main goal, which is the intent of effort. So it might be programmed as an RPE. You know, it might say three sets of five at a first set RPE seven, and that means that you're going to work up, do your warm up sets, and you're going to keep adding weight until you get to about a seven RPE for the day, which also uh, is closely synonymous with uh, three reps in the tank or three reps in reserve. Um, and then you're going to complete rest of your sets after that. So yeah, that's kind of what RPE is and how it is used. Um, yeah. And I think that most, most people should eventually learn how to, how to use it. And I've had a client who was kind of completely new to the idea and to the concept uh, very recently. And it's just kind of been, been pretty mind blowing to him uh, using it and seeing how much it's allowed to him to progress too. So. Yeah, I actually, I actually prefer RPE versus reps in reserve um, because sometimes it's easy to push. Well, it's, it's hard to actually know how much you actually have left in the tank, especially if you're unaware of your body in and of itself, right? So I, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Cody McBroom and he was talking about this and he was like, in the past, I would do reps in reserve. And then I decided to do one block of training where I actually pushed until failure at a weight that I particularly was using for reps and reserve. And I found I had like four or five reps that I could actually do, which means reps and reserve is, might not actually be the best judgment if we're doing something. That's why I tend to like RP more because it's like, oh, no, this this gives me more leeway. And for folks who don't know, I I kind of I started off doing a lot of strength work and then I kind of fell into the world of body weight and calisthenic work. And I was a lead trainer um, for this company, GMB Fitness, that deals in physical autonomy and, and auto-regulating is their big thing. And I find for folks who are doing body weight training, they're a little more open-minded to this concept of RPE because it's like, okay, well, if I can't do the push-up, you know, it's a little easier to be like, well, it makes sense that I might have to maybe do an incline push-up today or maybe do a kneeling push-up or maybe do slow negatives or maybe and at no point does someone say, well, I'm less of a person because I'm doing a negative version of this today. When it comes to putting weight on the bar, I feel like they're, at least in my experience in working, I'm not to generalize, but more with men, it becomes automatically tied to, well, if I'm not lifting this amount, then clearly I'm weak or clearly I just need to suck it up and do it. I don't know your thoughts on that, Derek. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and like you mentioned, like learning RPE is definitely a skill uh, and using reps in reserve is very hard, especially if you're uh, have multiple reps in reserve. Let's say if you're doing three, four, five reps in reserve, it's very, very hard. Or if you're doing high reps, it's very hard to know exactly how many more reps you can do. Uh, so what I'll do sometimes for clients is I'll have them, you know, test it out. So I'll say like, all right, on your, let's say you rate your second set an eight RP. On your third set, I want you to stick with that same load. And I want you to literally just do as many reps as you possibly can. And this is going to be on an exercise that is safe, like you mentioned, push-ups, curls, something like that, uh, something that we can safely test the limits. And then they'll realize that on that last set, they get like 20 reps, even though they, on the set before that, they did 10 and rated it like an RPE 8. And I'm like, well, that was probably more like an RPE 4 or 5. So so you start to you start to learn and, and be able to dial in the RPE over time. What was the last uh, part of your question there, though, you asked? Uh, I said, well, I was kind of talking a little bit more about how I, in particular, have just come to find that if it's 
if it's someone using body weight, they have an easier mm -hmm. time with this, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, oh, said, like yeah, yeah. Bicep curls. And then versus, versus someone who, let's say they are a power lifter and they have to hit like a specific number. Yes. Like I could see a lot of ego getting wrapped up in mm -hmm. specific lifts. Um, totally. Because that's, that that's be been the a metric that we're using, you know? Mm -hmm. That's been a huge, huge learning curve for me. And I'm glad you brought that up. But yeah, uh, like, yeah, your ego totally gets gets wrapped up in it. You expect to hit certain numbers. You expect to be like, all right, so I did, you know, this amount of weight last week. I need to do 10 pounds more this week. But then you get in the gym and it's just not there. If you're not using auto regulation, then it's very easy to get down on yourself and beat yourself up and like let it pretty much ruin your whole entire day. But whenever you use an RPE, you know, it's you, you and you fully understand that performance uh, fluctuations are completely normal, just as scale fluctuations are completely normal and hunger fluctuations and pretty much everything else in regards to being a human. Uh, it allows you to hit that RPE and just go about your day and, you know, not not to beat yourself down too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it feels like it pretty much is an act of self-compassion and humanizes you very quickly when you recognize that that is normal right this this is normal you could even have you know and i know you talk about this a lot too you can even have like your readiness score or whatever you're using like whether it be i'm not like a whoop band or an aura mm -hmm. ring or uh the morpheus which is like your hrv thing that you could check all these metrics and it could say you're good to go and then you step you get underneath the bar and it feels like a thousand pounds when this was like maybe your warm up the week before. So it's 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 easy to be lulled into the idea that we can use these other tools to actually teach mm -hmm. us how our body feels. Um, yeah, and, what is and, your experience and on, with that? Like, well, on on the other side of that, uh, you can use those tools, and it can are at all to perform but then you go to the gym and you get like a huge pr i've had that happen so many times uh where whenever i was like tracking my sleep i'd wake up and i'd see a see a poor sleep score and you know i've gotten better at like, not paying too much attention to it or just kind of being like okay well that's fine like let's see how this goes and you're not even feeling that great you're feeling tired feeling stressed but then you go into the gym and like you start going through your warm-ups and you get in the zone and uh, you're feeling really strong on that day and you end up hitting a huge PR. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I always let my warm up sets and how the training session is going dictate, uh, what is going to be there or not for that training session. And like, I keep mentioning fluctuations. This means that sometimes like I might be able to squat or let's, let's we'll use deadlift. For example, one week I might for seven, five for a set of six. And then the next week, I do 405 for warm-up set and it feels like 600 pounds. So on that day, maybe I'm only doing 425 for sets of six, you know? So it goes up and down and all over the place. But just like with weight loss, as long as the general trends are moving in the right direction and you're getting stronger over time, that's the most important thing. Yeah, I was actually going to say, I, it, it, it is so closely related to the trends that we want to be looking for when someone has a particular like weight loss or weight gain or whatever sort of weight metric they might have it's like if if you isolate it and look at that one time you step on the scale you'll automatically judge yourself as a failure or a success that's why we look for trends and i i i honestly don't think novice lifters people who aren't competing people who are just new to the gym i don't think they're aware of the power of of recording their progress like actually writing it tracking it 
however that is for you, if it's filming yourself and being your own coach, if it's, if it's writing down the specific numbers or for whatever, whatever particular lift, I just think there's so much, there's so much power in that. And Derek, how do you, how do you begin to educate someone or help someone better understand, like how to even begin to track or record any sort of things like that, to have those metrics? Yeah, I, I think it's incredibly important to, to track progress over time, especially uh, with strength training. It's like, if you're going to do it, why not just learn to track your, track your, track your stuff. And I've done it several different ways. I've used apps. I've used uh, old school pen and paper several years ago. Uh, I've used the notes app on my iPhone and uh, it doesn't have to be anything like crazy complex. You can just put your exercises in there, your sets and reps, and you just record your weights, uh, how much weight you're using on each set, how many reps you're doing, and uh, even, you know, bonus points, rate your RPE on each set, and then track that week over week. So uh, then that allows you to like the next week that you do that workout, uh, you even if you're not able to add weight to the bar, can you do the same weight that you did the previous week, but can you do it with better form? Or can you do it with a lower RPE? So maybe last one third five for a set of four was an eight RPE, but this week maybe it's like a seven or a 7.5. So even though you didn't put weight on the bar, you're still improving. And I think seeing those types of improvements gives people confidence and it makes them enjoy the process so much more. I can't even tell you how many times that I've had clients start with me on training and they're like, I just, I've never really enjoyed it. I don't like working out. And I think a big part of it was because they weren't tracking their progress. Once they start tracking their progress and they're doing so appropriately and they see that that they're getting stronger over time that's whenever they get really motivated and start to really enjoy it so uh yeah for all of those reasons uh i think tracking is incredibly important uh, i think you hit something really big there derek you said like seeing their progress or noticing their trend i'm just going to use trends interchangeably for progress here um mm -hmm. is actually motivating for them and this is this is something really interesting because i think you know, you and I kind of share the same philosophy on motivation in and of itself, which is like, if we look at it from the four levels of it, most individuals are at the very external level and not at the internal level. And mm -hmm. we can't necessarily skip to immediately associating uh, my barbell deadlift. I do it because it is in alignment with my value of determination or being being folk, right? We can't, we can't skip someone to that ninja level of value work, but we mm -hmm. can help someone begin to see like their progress markers, like those non-scale victories, those, those specific mm -hmm. things of like, even if the number's not going up and they have this track record of seeing, Hey, I went to the gym. I, I haven't missed a gym session. Like, okay, maybe, maybe we have it, the numbers haven't gone up as fast or as I would want them to, but I haven't missed a session. Like that's rad. I even if I leave after the warm up, like I still went. Like it's mm -hmm. this whole concept of of which comes first, like is chicken or the egg. It's like the consistency has to come before we have this motivation. Like uh, I don't know your thoughts on that. Like 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 how to put it in that perspective. Um, yeah, there's there's so many things that we can do to get people more from that uh, external regulated side of the spectrum to more internally internally motivated. And uh, like you said, encouragement is really big, like pointing out progress, because I know you see so often our clients may check in and they're being like really down on themselves. And, you know, 
let's we can use nutrition for example they may be really down on themselves because they feel like they went off the rails last week and if we can help kind of adjust their mindset or their expectations a little bit and be like yeah but listen you literally you still track day last week uh you didn't emotionally eat as you would have done a couple of months ago uh all of those types of things do a lot to uh, help improve people's motivation and get them more closely to that internally uh, regulated side of things. So I do think there's lots of things that we can do to kind of shift people over there. And it's so important to eventually, hopefully, there. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it's such a tricky conversation too, you know, because I, it, so many people get wrapped up in the idea of it has to be here right now. Like if I don't have it in front of me right now, then clearly what I'm doing is not working. You know, that's, that's, that's the conversation we have so often. So it's, it's finding the proper amount of time, one, giving yourself the proper amount of time. Right. So like the, like I actually, I have a new client and the thing they, they said to me was, oh, I didn't like, I'm not seeing any progress whatsoever. And we started together a week ago. So it's like, yeah. you know, and then I have another person who I've been working with for like a year and they're like, wow, it's crazy to see all. So it's like, you have to understand where you are within your, within your journey. And, and that's kind of, no, not kind of, it is very powerful when someone's able to do that, able to see that, you know? And uh, I guess my question for you, Derek is, and this, and this is more you not even training clients and everything you have, you have, a young son, you have a wife, you have a your own business, you have mm -hmm. you're building a house from what it seems like with your bare hands, which makes you automatically <laughs> way more capable than I. <laughs> um, but it's like, how do we find that balance even within our own life? Because um, I think sometimes there's like this allure or not even allure, that's not the right word. There's some mystique surrounding what we're actually doing. And I don't know, Derek, can you shine a little bit of a light on how you go about it, how you go about finding any sort of balance within within the work that you're doing for yourself? I'm a huge advocate of uh, using time block. So every single day I block off times for everything that is important to me. So uh, things that are extremely important to me are my work, my family, and my health and my fitness, or we can include powerlifting in that as well. So Every single day, if you look at my calendar, there's things blocked off specifically for that. I have my workout times blocked off ahead of the day. So if a client needs to schedule a call, they can't schedule it during my workout times. Uh, a lot of times I will put my phone on airplane mode whenever I'm working out. Um, I try to stick to my working time blocks like earlier in the mornings. Like I'll block off two or three hours and get as much work as done as I possibly can before my workout. And then every single day, I try my best unplug at 5 p.m. And from 5 p.m. to whenever my son goes to sleep at night is family time. And that's whenever we uh, eat dinner, go for walks, go to the park, things like that. So uh, I think a, uh, a huge part of that and finding balance is just creating more structure. You know, going to bed, waking up at the same times, uh, structuring your days, doing things that you enjoy. Uh, all that. I will say it's a lot easier for me than there's a lot of people do. Uh, you know, I, there are some days where my son has to stay home and we have to watch him or something like that, but he has a babysitter on most days or he goes to school. Uh, I love working out. I've got a gym in my garage, so it's a lot easier for me than it would be for a lot of other people. 
Um, but yeah, those are some of the things that come to mind that I think would be really helpful for most people. And it's down to just creating as much structure as you can within your day, which includes, you know, meal times, uh, timing of your workouts, bedtimes, wake up times, and all of those types of things. So that that's just what has worked really well for me in order to find some balance. Yeah, I, I like that you were able to highlight there. You're like, hey, this is this is where I am in my journey right now. And yeah, it might be it might seem it might seem easier because I have certain advantages that are here, right? But I mean, at the same time, you're still dealing with I mean, we were supposed to do this podcast like a couple of weeks ago and like your son was homesick and you still have work and you still have responsibilities and you still have things that are going to come up. And I'm in the same situation, you know, I, you have a, a son that's about the same age as my son, right? Yeah. He's like, he's, he's like two, almost, almost two years old and like three okay. months. So he's like, he's okay. like, he's, he's. Not setting the house on fire yet, but very easily could. <laughs> just, uh, just wait. Give, give it another yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but it's this concept of 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 using your schedule to your advantage. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it it's something that a lot of people are easy to skip over. It's like if someone asked me how 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 do I make time for my my workouts? It's like we'll put it in your calendar, and then you're gonna do it. You mm -hmm. know, and, and I'll, I'll... yeah. A lot, a lot of my friends give me such a hard time. They think I'm so lame. Uh, I'm in this group chat and uh, every single day or every single night, like it, it's pretty, pretty active group chat. So they're always like sending messages and everything. But, uh, you know, sometime around 6.30, 7 p.m., I'm always like, good night, guys. And then I just, I'll log <laughs> out because I'm, I'm turning my phone off and I'm going to bed. Like, of course, I would love to stay up later, like group, group texting and watching videos and all of that. But uh, I know that I'm going to feel my absolute best by getting in bed, you know, nine o'clock and going to sleep. And that's gonna, what's going to allow me to have the most energy the next day and everything. So yeah, got to, got to, got to draw those boundaries too. I, so important. I, I, I'm in the same boat as you, you know, because, because for me, it's like, I just, you know, I've been, I've been sober since 2019. And for me, in, that's in amazing. Sobriety, dude. Thank you very much for me and my sobriety and my my addictive tendencies and my all these other isms that i have within my life having structure makes it that much easier for me mm -hmm. to put small marbles in the wind jar it doesn't even have to be um necessarily this huge monumental thing like i i just published like a 2000 word article before we had this podcast that's really, really big, but it still holds the same value for me as I ate lunch outside for like 10 minutes before hopping on this call. Like being able to see like, oh, they're both still wins for me mm -hmm. is really important. And I find it very amazing that we get to do that kind of work with clients too. Mm -hmm. uh, looking at it more like a spectrum of like, of like, okay, this is good. This is really, really good. This is really, really good versus this is utter crap and like it doesn't work. So it's just what did you what, what what did you write your 2000 word uh, article on? Oh, yes, uh, it was. Um, <laughs> are you in starvation mode? It was a whole oh. article basically like myth busting that idea of an actual someone actually being in starvation mode and finding that being the reason why they can't necessarily lose weight. And, you know, the answer, but it's um, long story short, it's just, 
calorie deficit that's too great and you can't adhere to it and someone could say they're reverse dieting and that's what we're no it's just you're you're hitting a number that makes it makes it makes it easier for you you know so and i think i think writing i think writing and being able to talk about that is important because i think there's this this concept that that it has to be it has to be my hormones it has to be it has to be starvation mode it has it has to be something more because then then it's it, it takes some of the burden off me from feeling like i'm wrong but you're mm -hmm. not really wrong you just have a lot of information that's floating your way and it makes it that much harder to focus on the smaller things like health promoting behaviors like going to bed a little earlier like actually maybe for you if you're comfortable with it tracking and seeing what you're doing what you're eating you know all these things are so important and and they get like just overshadowed by trendy terms and things and mm -hmm. you and i both exist in the messy middle so it's like it's like yeah you can totally you can totally be aware of all the things you're doing it's not necessarily going to lead to disordered behavior it's not fair to put everyone in that same category right so it's it's like how do we toe that line and how do we have that understanding so one of the ways i can do mm -hmm. it is by writing this long form content that hopefully so comes across someone and they realize oh god if i was truly in starvation mode i'd probably need to be in a clinic because i have some mm -hmm. sort of severe eating disorder those are the people who are most likely in starvation someone who is eating like a thousand to 500 calories a day consistently and is already at five percent body fat like that's when mm -hmm. your body's like no you need to live so we're gonna slow everything down you know yeah well sorry, sorry for getting us a little bit off topic there but uh i'm looking forward to reading that article once you publish it and that and i'll have to have to give it a share oh i appreciate but that, that and but no, that's but yeah, that's 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 such a such a complicated uh such a complicated topic and you definitely have to approach it with the right amount of empathy and compassion you know and how you frame it is so important like it's not that people are idiots and that they're that they don't know how to track or they don't know but it's it's usually just comes down to very simple errors uh so for example uh my mom was over yesterday and i was eating lunch and my plate was huge it was so much volume i had like a uh, whole grain rice i had ground beef and like half my plate was just a ton of vegetables and my mom was like she started talking about how she's trying to lose weight and she goes would you say that that's like a healthy meal or that's a weight loss meal and of course i'm like well uh, there's you know a lot more context and everything but like how many calories do you think this plate is and she's like oh i could never eat that that's probably 2000 calories I'm like, mom this is like 600 calories it looks like a lot it looks like a lot of food because it's so much volume but it's really not and uh, anyway she went on to talking about how she's trying to lose weight and she absolutely can't lose weight and she told me that she eat and i'm like what did you have to eat yesterday and she told me and it was like uh, you know she went to sonic and she had a root 44 about 44 uh sweet tea uh, a bacon cheeseburger and fries that was the only meal she had that day so it totally seems like man i'm not eating anything and i cannot lose weight but i was like that meal probably 2000 2300 calories you know like just the the 44 ounce sweet tea alone is like 500 calories so you need x number of calories per day you probably need 17 1800 calories per day if i had to guesstimate and one meal puts you into a little bit of a calorie surplus so uh it may feel like you're not eating a lot but you're eating 
more than you think you are. Whereas for that same meal, you could have three meals like mine that look this huge and only have 1800 calories and you would probably make progress. So anyways, there's so many uh, nuances and so many things that make it complicated. And if people are tracking, it's usually things they're forgetting to track their sauces or their condiments or their creamer in their coffee, or, you know, they don't realize that their Starbucks drinks are like 800 to a thousand calories, things like that. So yeah, lots of things that can, can make people think that they're in starvation mode. Exactly. Exactly. And that, you know, I, I do write about that in there, but you bring up such a good, good point. It's like, yeah, people aren't, for lack of a better term, people aren't dumb. You're a human being. Mm-hmm. And also, like, if we look at someone who has a kid and they are rushing through their dinner plate and then their kid leaves half a cheeseburger and in their mind, they're like, well, I don't want to waste food mm-hmm. and I'm still kind of hungry. I'm going to grab and eat that. You Dude, know, I so, do that okay. all the time. Right. Me too. But <laughs> I'm, I'm like, always snacking know, off my son's plate. You know, it's it's the same. It's the same thing. It's like that. That's pretty normal. Cooking, cooking with butter. You know, doing putting butter in your coffee. Like all of these things, mm-hmm. we don't really. We're not really aware that what you and I are saying is that it's not inherently bad. Not at all. Food isn't mm-hmm. bad. It's just a lack of awareness makes it that much harder. Um, and being being able to empathize and understand, like I think that's the thing that gets taken away or is missing from a lot of these. Mm-hmm. Again, from certain coaches or conversations, it's like, why'd you eat that? Clearly, we set this rule, and we both know that rules do not bode well <laughs> for any sort of long term change. It leads to rebellion. It leads to shame eating. It leads to binge eating in certain individuals it leads to uh pretty much skipping meals in an effort to be able to have whatever is off limits it's like if Mm -hmm. i want if if you know that's why i don't like the if it fits my macros thing because it's like great i'm gonna skip my dinner so then i can have a sleeve of i don't even know peanut butter cups because then technically it fits my macros and i'm Mm -hmm. cool like it's like but that's that, but, that's not ingraining very good habits though and that's and like what whenever people do that what worries me is what happens whenever they stop tracking if they're now in the habit of fitting a sleeve of oreos into their food every single day you know yeah um yeah i think i think we're on the same page with uh with all of that like i'm a fan of tracking and think it brings so much awareness but uh everyone doesn't have to track and you definitely don't have to track forever but yeah it's huge benefit, especially for people who have never done it and can't seem to lose weight, uh, doing what they're, what they're currently doing. Like, yeah, let's track your food and gain some awareness about things. Yeah. I I mean, you know, it's a really powerful thing, even like there's different, I, I like to look at it as there's different levels of tracking too, right? The base level anyone can do, even if they have technically in my experience, if they have had a hard time of tracking in the past, this is like an entry level where someone feels okay. I call it a food and feelings log. I don't know what you might call it, but it's literally just writing down the time you're eating, what you're eating and what you were doing or how you were feeling before you ate and then how you felt like after you ate. That's all it is. There's I no, love that. Yeah, there's no calorie counting. There's no nothing, you know, and what it does is it gives someone, one, it gives someone awareness. Two, it lets someone mm-hmm. work through, oh, I can tell Chris that I was, I had a really hard argument at work and then I went and I ate my turkey sandwich and then I stopped and I grabbed 
the donut from my coworkers table. Like it, it, it's like, okay, cool. In precision nutrition, which you know this, they call it the breaking the chain. It's like if you look mm-hmm. at the first chain or the first event in that chain, it's like, okay, well, what are some obstacle planning tactics we can use? What are some ways that we can talk about this? Is it you go for a walk? Is it you do a quick headspace meditation for SOS mode that they have on there? Mm-hmm. Is it, Or is it X or Y? It's like then that becomes more productive. And then the next tier would be like, okay, let's use pictures. Because now we can be really accurate here with this. You can send me the pictures and I can hold you accountable. Then it's like, okay, you're used to doing this. You're used to doing this. Let's build a balanced plate and have that be the goal with X or Y or Y. It's like you can keep layering on top of it. And I think sometimes people just skip right to that. Everyone needs to track their macros. I think it's, I think it goes from beginner all the way to advanced to like elite. Like, I just think it depends on the person's life experience, you know? Yeah, it's a it's a spectrum. I absolutely love how you just how you put that. And uh, I've heard about, you know, the having people document uh, their meals on some type of chart and how they're feeling before and after each meals and things like that. I've never actually put that into practice, but I love that. And I might have to have to start doing that for some people. But yeah, it's crazy. There's a spectrum like in several things. It's also tracking only calories. There's also, you know, tracking just calories and protein and all the way on the far end of the spectrum, you've got, you know, tracking macros and trying to hit the targets within five to 10 grams each day. And unfortunately, most people jump like straight to that. And there's like, hey, there's so many things that are a lot more flexible that will allow you to make really great progress that you can do. Uh, it's going to be less stressful and easier to keep up with and sustain over the long term than jumping straight to that, you know, aiming to hit macros plus or minus five grams every day. So uh, it's 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 truly it is it is yeah it's just like what you're saying it's a skill it's like someone first you know if if someone says they have the the goal of being able to track their macros well first they have to understand like what protein is what what a macro is yeah what a macro is like why do we Mm -hmm. need carbs why do we need fat why why are fruits and vegetables maybe we're maybe we're categorizing that as fiber and we're not necessarily because your issue isn't that you're eating too many fruits and vegetables anyway you know so it's like there are so many levels to this. And that's why I think sometimes people think that, okay, well, if I work with a nutrition coach, they're just going to give me a meal plan. And that's what mm-hmm. I'm going to do. And then maybe there are some, even though technically that's beyond scope of practice for certain individuals to assign a dietary meal plan. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh <laughs> But what I will say is that maybe you are doing that, but then what happens when that ends? Are you going to eat the same three meals for the rest of your life? That's it. it I choose to view it, and Derek, I, I'm I'm guessing here, but I'm going to say you probably agree with me. I, the whole point is to empower you to be able to live within your life and mm. not need to track forever. You know, you know that some folks call it call I, I call it mindfully i won't call it intuitive eating not to confuse it with the actual thing that's intuitive eating you know mindful eating it's 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 it, you probably did track at some point and you're aware of what's in everything so you're aware of how much you're having and when you're having it you know mm-hmm. that and being able to know okay i'm actually getting full right now i'm actually satisfied right now like to be able to do that, sometimes we have to put the bumpers up in bowling. We can't just expect to throw a strike or roll a strike or bowl a strike, whatever the term is, every, every <laughs> single time, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely couldn't agree more. Uh, I think before you can 
be a really good mindful eat mindful eater uh you like you said you have to have that education you know what a protein serving looks like and um and and and, and yeah and if you're going to track macros there's lots of other things that you have to know going into it so it may not be the best thing for everyone and beginners or people that are new and just want to make some uh you know want to maybe lose a little bit of weight feel better maybe they're starting a lot further on that other side of the spectrum with some of the things you mentioned just basic uh habit changes and stuff like that the biggest problem that i've seen with that is that my clients who do only focus on like you know some simple habits uh so so i i have people fill out like a pretty extensive uh questionnaire and which highlights all of their day-to-day like lifestyle habits nutrition habits and things like that and sometimes i'm like all right there's two to three things that are really big habit changes that we can make and just by focusing on these things you know you should be able to make a lot of progress and we don't have to track and things like that the problem with that is it uh you don't get a lot of buy-in whenever you're telling people like hey we're just going to start going for a 30-minute walk every single day and like okay like why am i paying you to to tell me that you know uh like i need to know how much protein i need and how much carbs i need and how much fat i need and i'm like well you're paying for you know the accountability and the support and results and getting you to your goal and these are the things that it's going to take to get you there so have you found the same thing that there's just like if strategies like that you get less buy-in with people yes i think it's it's tough because for a while when i was coaching i tried to really stay away i just stick purely with with habit-based formation things like i tried to go that route because you know, existing in the messy middle, I was like, yeah, I, I went from the end where I was first brought into the fitness industry. And I was told like, okay, here's your no, no food list. And that's how I was told to coach people. Oh, and wow. you know, that that's what it was. It was like, eat only, only eat these foods. And it was, believe it or not, the list was from precision nutrition. And it was like, oh. you just hand this to your client, you know? So it was I, like, I think okay. I remember that. Yeah, they had a big printout and this is when mm-hmm. they had the textbook. It was there was no online portal or anything that was nice. It was just a big ass textbook that you had to read and then <laughs> take a multiple choice that like a, like a 200 question multiple choice test. Um but I remember Did you that first get certified with 20 with precision thir- 2013. Yeah. That's that's the same time here. I was I, I want to say it was like 2011, 2012, but yeah. I yeah, I got 2013. I did yeah and then and then i did i did like i was either like their second or third level two cert so that oh. I, that was like 2016. so that was a that was a long time ago so even now it's changed how they go about doing this there there's a lot more in there than there was before um but i remember i would photocopy it i would just hand it out and be like hey you got to eat this i would have clients come back and be like hey grass-fed organic beef tastes like shoe leather do i have to eat it and i would be like well if to be healthy yes you have to eat that like that and that's what i was taught no one told me and then mm-hmm. as i learned it was like no you can have weight neutral approaches and then there, you know then it went down to the other end where like diets don't work and you know, and now I'm like, well, no, I'm way better educated. And I understand <laughs> that they do work. It's just fad diets don't usually guide someone in a way to eat within human limits. Like it's just, right. you know, so now I find it a little easier where it's like, okay, we're going to work on these core behavior, but here's a lesson on this particular thing about nutrition. Here's why we're doing this. I find it, I find it gets easier to get buy-in when you when you layer it in like 
a skill acquisition, you know, mm-hmm. um, working, working for GMB fitness, like the cool thing about how they like actually program design is they use this thing called, uh, the five P's they call prep practice, push, uh, prep practice, push play and ponder. So that's how they write all of their training programs. And it actually applies really, really well to this other program they have called Eating Skills, which was written by Josh Hillis. So if you know oh, Josh cool. Hillis, I, I, yes. I absolutely love Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, Josh, he's you know, his, his book is rad, lean and strong. And the concept of eating skills is within that, right? And and he applies that still to the prep practice uh, play push like same idea so it's like it's it's basically how you would design a regular program you would have like whatever the hardest thing your hardest lift and then as you go it it gets easier and easier as you go along technically mm-hmm. um and so i choose to look at it that way all right the skill that you're practicing this week is you're going to uh practice building a balanced plate at every at, at two meals a day because three meals feels unrealistic for you. Yeah. And then we're going to work on layering in um, some some action steps that you can take every single day. That might be scheduling your 30 minute walk for the day. You know, because because if I if I explain it that way, sometimes people feel as if it's like, oh, I have homework to do. And mm-hmm. oh, I can do this right now. And oh, I can check it off like there's there's this level. So I don't know if, I don't know if that answers your question or no, 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 listening, if that seems interesting, but that that's kind of how I try to approach it. No, I, I love that. And I, I tried to approach it uh, pretty similarly too, but uh, yeah, I guess it's way more uh, motivating to, uh, you know, call it like learning a skill as opposed to just having like, Hey, we're gonna do this habit this week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you know, Josh, I want to get Josh on the show so bad, but he's busy learning how to do psychology things. So <laughs> yeah. I think he, I think he's actually writing another book and it's heavily psychology based. So yeah, uh, but uh, he he says it in his book, Lean and Strong, which is really cool. He, he the reason why he calls habits skills is because habits can imply for certain individuals that it's either you do it or you don't do it, either you're you're passing or you're failing, where mm-hmm. skills actually lead us more towards the concept of I am I am learning how to do this. I'm going to make mistakes while I do this. I will learn from that mistake. I will try it again. I'll make progress. I'll probably make a mistake again. You know, it it helps us get away from the perfectionist mindset, which is just quitting a lot and moves us towards, as he calls it, the pursuit of excellence. The pursuit of excellence Mm -hmm. is consistently practicing skills, like practicing your skills. and he equates it to like someone learning how to play the clarinet or someone learning how to play a musical instrument. Usually a perfectionist probably wasn't that way when they first started learning the instrument. And right. usually when someone gets tied to perfectionism, when in the beginning they were tied to just the pursuit of a skill, that's mm-hmm. when they usually quit after like 10 years, but it's because they're burnt out. So it's like the competitive bodybuilder who probably got into it because they were pursuing the skill of having a certain aesthetic look. And then after six competitions in a row and not getting their professional bodybuilding card, they're burnt out and they gain like 40 or 50 pounds. It's not because bodybuilding is inherently bad per se, if we don't want to look at it that way. It's that the mental fatigue of trying to consistently be perfect or it's a failure. 
is what wears someone out, right? Mm -hmm. That's yeah, that. No, you, so it's, yeah. Yeah, you, you said that very well. Right on, right on. Man, I could talk to you forever. I know you have something else you got to get to. Um, Derek, Is if, if folks want to work with you or want to get in contact with you, what would be the best way for them to find you? Uh, two best ways. I've got my website, which is uh, DerekStanleyFitness.com. Uh, and you can also find me on Instagram at DStanleyFit. Uh, and you can shoot me a DM on there. Or you can email me at DStanleyFit at gmail.com. Any of those ways work for me. And uh, yeah, I just love love chatting with people and uh, in the DMs and things like that. So. Oh, that's awesome. And I'll be sure to link to all of that in the show notes. So Derek, I always end with one last question if you have the time for it. Um, mm -hmm. If you could go back in time to when you first started this whole fitness thing, uh, I think for you, it was, it was probably maybe in college, maybe after, right after graduating. And you can give yourself one piece of advice, not necessarily change anything because we don't want to, you know, Marty McFly, we don't want to ruin uh, the past uh, <laughs> and mess with our future but we maybe can just impart some wisdom on ourselves. What would you tell yourself you think? Oh man. Um, something that I probably, that I preach pretty often now to my clients so that they can learn from my mistakes, but uh, just focus on the process and just like let go of the results. Like you want to have goals, like and your goal might be body comp related or it might not be, or it might be strength related or it might not be, but you can set that goal. And then once you set that goal, don't, worry about it anymore, just kind of out of mind, out of sight, and then just focus on the process and the things that you've got to do in order to get there. So if you want to put 30 pounds on your squat total, you've got that goal. That's cool. Now you just need to get all of your workouts in four times per week, do them consistently and stick to it. So uh, I remember in my early days and I actually got started like right after high school, I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to get jacked and come to find out it was a lot harder than I thought it was to, to get jacked. It's actually really, really hard. And I'm 12 years later and I'm still not jacked, but, uh, but yeah, I, I would just get, uh, I would get really frustrated because I wasn't gaining muscle as fast as I thought I should have at the time. And I just think, uh, learning to focus on the process can save you from all of that and just try your best to enjoy it and stick to what you can control. Ah, oh, such a, such a rad answer. And, um, I, Pretty sure everyone is probably in that boat at some point, especially if they are a young male or identify as a young male and they are trying to lift weights for the first time. It's kind of, it kind of just par for the course. So I just want to thank you again, Derek, for, for making the time to be on the show. And if anyone's catching this because they're a fan of Derek's and you're brand new here, I really appreciate you listening to this. And if you could drop a review, five stars would be wonderful because more people can hear this. So what I always say at the end of every episode, I hope you have a great day and go do amazing things because you can.